we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. These are the words of God. Love is patient. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, please open these words to us by the Holy Spirit. Let them renew our understanding, our affections, our desires, our will, and transform us into the likeness of Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, our text, of course, comes from Paul's very famous ode to love in 1 Corinthians 13. And before our particular verse here, Paul has already spent several verses talking about the absolute centrality of love to God and therefore to his people, to the church, and therefore to our witness to the world. And now in verse 4, he is beginning to describe what love actually is. And the first thing he says is that love is patient. Now, if I were to ask you to take out a pencil and some paper and to quickly jot down love's most important qualities, how many of you would immediately write down love is patient? If you're like me, you might eventually get around to love is patient, but it's certainly not the first thing that would pop into your mind. But it was for Paul. And that ought to make us pause and ponder, what did Paul know about patience that we do not? I think there's part of patience that we do understand And that's the part that deals with sin and sinners. After all, a lot of what God and we must be patient toward concerns sin and sinners. God is slow to anger, we are told in Psalm 145, verse 8. And so we must be slow to anger, James 1, verse 19. God is patient towards sinners, Romans 2, verse 4. And so we must be patient towards sinners, 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25. And because we ourselves are redeemed sinners, we must be patient and bear with one another, Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. But I would submit to you that there is a whole other side to patience that we tend to miss altogether. It's the part of patience that God exhibited before sin ever entered the world. Now, you see, when I say that, that doesn't even compute to us. What do you mean God was patient before sin entered the world? We just naturally assume that patience is tied to the fall. Man sinned, and then in order to restore and save man, God had to become patient. Now, it is certainly true that God's patience had to take on a whole new dimension after the fall. And that's the part of patience we just discussed, God's patience towards sinners. But I would submit to you that it is not true that God first became patient when man sinned. Think about it. In creation, God who needed nothing created all things very good, and he created them all such that they take 
time. God, who could have had everything instantly, God who need wait for nothing, chose to wait for everything. Furthermore, God built patience, the need to wait, into the very fabric of creation. Even had there been no fall, no sin in the world, think of all the things by God's own design that would not only take time, but a lot of time. The raising of a child. God could have made us like the angels all at once, fully developed. He didn't have to proceed one baby at a time with nine months of pregnancy and 20 years of raising. But he did. What about the growing of a great tree? The making of a fine wine? The composing of a great symphony? The painting of a great picture? The cultivation of a close friendship? The building of a great business? The building of a great local church or community? All of those things would take substantial time even in a perfect world, and all of it by God's perfect design. And in addition to all of that patience, that waiting that God built into the perfect world he created, think of all the repetition that he built in as well. Sunrise, sunset. Rising, sleeping. Seed time, Harvest, moon waxing, moon waning, Sabbath rest, weekly work, breakfast, lunch, supper, weekly gathered worship, daily personal and family worship, conception, birth, childhood, adulthood. In all these things and many more, we see God again and again choosing a process over an instant final product. Again and again, we see God choosing to wait for the final product. And it's here I submit to you that we see God's patience in its essence. God's patience in its pure form. Patience is that quality of God that led him who need wait for nothing to choose to wait for everything. God, patience is that quality of God that makes him love not just the final product, but every step, every repetition, every moment along the way. Patience is that quality of God that leads him to do these things not as a means of denying his joy or even deferring his joy, but as a means of prolonging his joy and multiplying it. So you see, God's patience in its pure form is not a response to our sin. It is an outworking of his joy. Patience is God's joy in the process he has made. And our patience must be our joy in the same. So Paul prays for Colossians Christians 
in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. And he prays, in essence, that we would be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father. So if we love God, we must love the way he has made life and the world. We must love the process he has made and take joy not only in the finished product, but in every step, every repetition, every moment along the way. To help us with this, God has given us a helpful analogy in Scripture, and that's the analogy of the farmer who has to spend a lot of time waiting. James 5, verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and latter rain. Now, what's in the background here is that God himself is the ultimate farmer. Deuteronomy 11.11 The land which you cross over to possess is, verse 12, a land for which the Lord your God cares. He's the ultimate farmer. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Verse 13, if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, and you may, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. So God is the ultimate farmer. He's just letting us participate in his farming project. And so what is the first thing that the, a godly farmer knows the first thing the godly farmer knows is that god is the real farmer he's the real farmer and the godly farmer has been privileged by god to participate in god's farming project which is a project that extends beyond the literal fields and gardens and vineyards to all of the other fields and gardens and vineyards that God has created, like marriage, family, church, community. All of those are described in the Bible as being fields or gardens or vineyards. The second thing the godly farmer knows is that because God is the ultimate farmer and he's just participating in God's farming project, the godly farmer therefore knows that it's not about what he can do. It's about what God can do. Because the godly farmer cannot make a single plant grow or bear a single fruit. Only God can do that. So the godly farmer's job is to joyfully take up the privilege of imitating God and participating in his work. The godly farmer tends the crops because God tends the crops. The godly farmer waters because God waters. The godly farmer waits because God waits. The godly farmer harvests because God harvests. The godly farmer repeats it all next year because God repeats it all next year. 
And the godly farmer loves it all and rejoices in it all because God loves it all and rejoices in it all every step of the way. This takes all the pressure then, you see, off the godly farmer. And it enables him to take joy in this process that God has made. What would be the effect if the godly farmer was impatient? What if he doesn't like the process and the repetition and the waiting? Will his impatience speed things up or produce more fruit? Not at all. It will simply make the farmer miserable as well as those around him. And it'll probably hurt the crop because the farmer is spending all his time trying to find ways to short-circuit this process God has created rather than actually tending the crop. And this points out a common misconception. We think of patience as being passive. We think of impatience as being active. We think of patience as slowing things down and therefore reducing uh, production and fruit. We think of impatience as speeding things up, increasing production and fruit. But in truth, impatience is simply like a microwave oven. It speeds things up in terms of making the molecules bounce all around, but the result of that is only heat. And unless you're doing something very specific, like trying to heat food in a microwave oven, or you're trying to heat the air with a space heater, unless you have one of those very limited and specific purposes, heat is nothing but wasted energy. In any kind of machinery or factory, what they're trying to do is keep the heat down, because the heat impedes the process and impedes the wear and increases the wear and tear. So impatience produces spiritual and emotional heat, wasted energy. It impedes actual biblical fruit. Patience reduces the heat. Patience brings the heat down. And therefore, it fosters biblical fruit and work and results. It does not slow things down. What it does do is create a different environment and a different heart and mind. So patience versus impatience is not slow versus fast, but genuine biblical fruit versus heat. Remember, patience is not passive. It is affirmative joy in the process God has made. So what if the farmer then is so patient that he doesn't really tend the crop? Well, the Bible has a word for that, but it's not patience, it's laziness. Patience is imitating God, and God is not lazy. God is diligent and joyful in the process he's made. So he is diligent and patient and joyful. That's what imitating God means. Well, what if the farmer hates the weeds and he hates the destructive insects that attack the crop? Wouldn't that be impatience? No, that is not impatience. That's loving the crop by hating its enemies. It would only be impatience 
if the farmer bemoans or resents the fact that God doesn't eliminate the weeds and insects instantly, but once again has chosen a process. Even in the elimination of sin and curse from this world through his son, he has chosen a process. Even in our sanctification, God loves and takes joy in each moment, each step along the way. And as his children, we should too. And this points out a great irony in our sanctification. And please listen to me carefully here so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There is a sense in which God is more pleased with our sanctification than we are. He is not more pleased with our sin than we are, but he is more pleased with the process than we are, for he loves every step we take. Whereas we just want the final product because we hate waiting for anything. Once again, we see that God chooses to wait, but we want everything instantly, including sanctification and everything else in the Christian life. We need to learn that hating the process is not the same thing as hating our sin. We must hate our sin while at the same time loving and taking joy in the fact that God in His deep wisdom has decided that even our sanctification will be a process. It's a farming process in which we ourselves are the field And yet God at the same time gives us the privilege of farming alongside him. Understanding and embracing this is what frees us up to make much more progress in weeding out sin and producing the fruit of the Spirit. Never forget, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah 8 verse 10. No joy, no strength, no patience, no joy. Patience is not loving the sin, but loving the fact that God and his infinite wisdom has made it a step-by-step process so that we love each step just the way God does. This is why Paul undertakes to teach the Corinthians and us what love really is. And the first thing he says is love is patient. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.